As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realised it's not just the story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made page one. Page one is more than just another notebook. It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project, divided into easy to use sections that will help you plan your story so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. We truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember, every story starts with page one. Hi, welcome to the next episode of the Page One Podcast. I'm Derek. I'm Marco. And you've just heard an advert for Page One, the writer's notebook. It's on Kickstarter. It's doing really well. We're over halfway there so far. Yeah, over 50% already. So grab yours now while you can. What about the notebook? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Uh, Anyway, this week on the podcast, we've got Ed James, the author of several uh, mm. Police procedural books, uh, the Scott D.I. Scott Cullen series, D.I. Fenchurch series, uh, and various others. Um, he's a very prolific writer, started out in self-publishing, moved into publishing. But we had a really fascinating chat with mm. him, really, about exactly how he moved from self-publishing into publishing and how he writes four books a year. Four which books is, a year is not easy to no, do. No, it's, it's incredible. But he has quite a... Uh, meticulous way of doing it as you'll hear so uh, anyway we'll let you hear what Ed had to say about it we actually started the interview by uh, showing Ed a page one notebook and he had some helpful comments about it so we'll start off with that and we'll be back at the end of the podcast for some more chat see you later Um, this looks really amazing. It's it's like a, is that was it the printed on? It's it's what they call a soft touch yeah. fake oh, leather. It's full leather. leather. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's like a there's like a moleskin clone sort of not clone, but it was like a sort of similar yeah, yeah. high end one. That's what it reminds me of. It's a really nice uh-huh. thing. But um, so yeah, I mean it's a it's a good idea, and I know a lot a lot of writers who. Sit, you have like a moleskin is yeah, usually the yeah, default yeah, one the hard, hardcover yeah. ones and you know that's what they do and it's usually one for each book and I use um, the moleskin kais so the sort of jotter yeah, side yeah. Eight. Yeah. so you get kind of almost day three when you put it out to do a lot mm-hmm. of draw, drawing and stuff oh, right, okay. but it looks like you know it's really sort of nice the um, you know the sort of the breakdown it's all it's got everything you want in there like your know, character's um, plot, scene break setting, and then your scene breakdown. It's a pretty nice thing because a lot of people like to have, you know, I, I I write a lot of books and every like four a year, mm-hmm. um, but most people do one and some maybe maybe one or one and a half, and you have like a notebook, yeah, um, and you know like having something this like this where it's all just easily marked out and you know you're able to just sort of fire into it and stuff is, is a good thing. The only th- so the only thing I would suggest, you know, like a lot of people have the, you know, when you're writing, so I, I'm very much sort of, you know, breaking it down like this sort of film structure sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, yep. 
you know, log like. I, mean, I don't think that that disciplined. That's what I'm trying to do. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> um, but the likes of so like Mark Edwards, is a great example. Somebody who's yeah. the complete opposite. I mean, we're good friends with him and talk about it a lot. But he's a complete pants or just makes up as he goes along and then he'll usually get about 30%, 33% in and realise it's a disaster. <laughs> He's done too much and he has to go and strim a load out and then go, ah oh, right, I know what it's about now. Um, and whereas I, it's like I'm, I'm sort of breaking it down and, you know, look at, you know, breaking into acts and little beats and stuff like that and I've got like an idea of where it ends and who the bad guy is and what they're up to. The big sort of development is about the motivation and stuff like that. So character motivation is one of the sort of key things mm-hmm. in there, I think, because that's where, you know, like, whoever you're writing, yep. it's all about, you know, whether it's a, like a drama or a romance or crime or action or whatever, there's always, like, it's all the interesting good stuff comes from the conflict between characters and yeah. stuff, establishing that. Um, I, I, you know, do a lot of sort of mind maps and sort of okay. breaking mm-hmm. stuff down and, you know, like, like that you've got your scene chunks there. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, yeah, like, you know, I'll have like sort of, you know, the sequence of scenes and stuff. I don't know if you have come across Alex Sokoloff. So she wrote, no. she's an American writer. Uh, she's married to Craig Robertson. He's a Scottish crime writer. Um, but she worked as a screenwriter for years and wrote a book called Stealing Hollywood, which is excellent right, okay. for um, all the, you know, the, like if, there's a lot of people talk about Save the Cat and so on, but it's just kind of, it's just good, but it's, it's not great. Whereas Alex goes into a lot more detail, has all the breakdowns of plots, of huge, loads of films, like I think Raiders of the Lost Ark and all this sort of stuff, oh, okay. and lots Sounds of different good. genres. Um, and oh, I can't remember what plot was. Yeah, it was about <laughs> the... Um, <laughs> Getting down to the sort of the sort of sequences of scenes and breakdowns, so like the, the t- traditional Hollywood thing is they talk about three acts and it's like that's actually four because um, the second one's split in half. So you know then each one of those you break down into another two. So you've got basically like, uh, eight sequences of scenes which roll up to four acts and, and that's your story. And you know so each of those sequences I like to sort of doodle out and sort of have a little mind map. Here's mm-hmm. Here's the things I need to be thinking about in terms of the overall story. Here's the things that we're, we need to get to over there and we need to get back to. Um, and always, uh, you know, then just sort of drawing the diagram, there's a sort of flow between it through there. Usually, because the stuff I've written to date is all sort of single character police procedural stuff. So yeah. it's a detect, a mystery and a detective solving that mystery. So it's like, it's quite easy to do the narrative stuff. I've written, um, the last thing I wrote, last, well, last year is, um, was like a three point of view thing with, it's like more of a thriller and okay. it's very different. So you got to keep lots of things in, in mind and sort of flowing. Um, so one of the things I always think about at a scene level actually is what might worth thinking about for the, 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 the sort of the book is the, and my agent is he also does a lot of editing for me as well. He's always like hammer on at me about so the this it comes from like screenwriting, but the philosophy of um a scene should should have some function. So it's either gonna mm-hmm. show character or it moves the plot along. And, you know, a lot of so when you have like an expositional scene, it's like you know, you have to do a hell of a lot to make it uh, sort of tense yeah. and dramatic mm-hmm. and so on. So it's like I was, I don't know, when, in the rush of trying to get an, a sort of something maybe too realistic or something, 
I sort of forget that. So having that, the, the three things I always I try to do as well as like when you know when I get into a detailed outline, it's like okay, so my scene, um, you know where it is, you know uh, when it is, you know who's in it, and so on. But the three key things are: what's the point of view character's um, objective in the scene? Mm-hmm. What's the object ob- uh, obstacle to getting that objective? And uh, you know what's the actual outcome when you finish the scene? And once you've got those things. You know, you can you can then build a quite a nice scene. I think, um, is it, uh, Into the Woods by John York is that his name? John York, I think. Um, it's another sort of writing craft book, and he the way he talks about scenes is always having like a twist. So his example is from an EastEnder script, right. <laughs> where uh, there's these two women having an argument, and one of them wants to go away or something to America. I can't remember the detail, and the twist is that. Um, that the, the other woman is her mother and she doesn't know so it comes out and then you've got the doof, 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 right, doof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, so that's uh, you know like so that's another so another thing to sort of think about if, you know the, the tw- there's a twist in there that you can you can spin out but um, you know in terms of like you know how I would use that document the, the book you know I tend to do a lot of stuff on the on computer and stuff mm-hmm. And using Scrivener and Scapel and mm-hmm. various things, um, but yeah, I do use still use bits of paper and I'd use it sort of for you know just a high level dump of information I need to get out. Yeah, and then you know like mind map for a scene. Here's the objective. What do I do? What, what's the way to twist the knife? Yeah, deeper and deeper. Um, but you, but then it becomes quite pres- prescriptive if you put that in your book in the booklet and stuff yeah. like that. So. I mean, it sounds like if you were saying you do four books a year. It sounds like yeah. a, you must do a lot of plotting for it. That's a yeah, lot of yeah, time so spent planning. Only way, the only way, unless you were, I don't know, on coke or something. The only way you could <laughs> <laughs> do that, and I'm not. The only way, the only way you could do that is, um, yeah, is to take some ridiculous performance in hand. <laughs> but um, it's all about outlining so you know where you're going so everyone I know writers they're either people who can write a lot or people who struggle to to get out there and they're always like oh, I've got to do 1500 words a day and every day it's a battle to work out where that plot's going so you if you're sitting down to, to work out where the plot's going that day what your character's doing who's where who's there it's a lot of thinking you have to do on, in that yeah. day and you know you might have other things going on in your life and so on. So I I like to do it all way up front and get um you know, like the point Mark Edwards gets to where it's all falling apart. I like to get that really early. <laughs> so I usually have an idea. This is what the story is. Yeah. And I'll go. This doesn't work because of this. This doesn't work for that. And I've, it just sort of it's like it's like, oh my god I'm gonna have to give up on this. It's usually every book is that point where I have to give up on this. And then I'll have an, a point of inspiration where I go. Ah, but it's this, or like you know, this is this is what needs to happen. If I flip that, right, well, okay, and then it starts yeah. working. You get that sort of. I usually feel like I get to the point where it's it's too narrow and it's not, and that's like my spidey sense starts tingling. It's like it's just there's something not right here, and it's you know I've written twenty odd books or something, so like I get, I've got a lot of experience of writing, and so like there's a lot of. Uh, Skill. I don't want to blow my trumpet. But it's like <laughs> no, no, yeah. when you have experience, you, yeah, know, totally. you, you learn lots of things, yeah, and you sort absolutely. of you get like a and uh, the sort of learned experience is like that. You know, I remember we did this thing when I work, used to work as for a living rather than playing with people's <laughs> tormented lives in detective books. And it was um, I talked about this, it was this training course. And it was like Edge. They called it. So like 
if you're a surgeon, mm-hmm. um, if you've been doing that for 20 years and you're looking at like a body and, and try someone's body in triage and you, you're going through it, they just know what they're doing. And if something goes wrong, you know, most operations are like, you know, taking along, it's fine. You do this, you do that, blah, blah, yeah. blah. It's when things don't go wrong and they go, right, well, this is how I do it. Cause they've done, dealt with it. So many operations, seen so many cases. Um, but the, you know, that, that's, that sort of edge is like, because people, you build up experience and everyone does it in whatever walk of life they're doing it. And as a, as writers, you develop your skills the more you do. Um, and, you know, like, sort of my first book, it took me like three years on and off to get, and it was actually the third thing I wrote, but it's the third, first thing that's published. Mm-hmm. It took me three years on and off to get to a point where I was happy with it. And even then, because it was self-published, and I have complete control over it. I've edited about five or six times before, uh, since then. And I'm still, I know it's terrible compared, like, <laughs> based on a lot of sort of my thing. But like to the most readers, it's like, they love it. You know, yeah. it's like, um, because. You're, you're so close to it, you see the flaws. Yeah. And, and also. Uh, is that, is that a good thing? Being able to go back into it all the time? And no, play it's with not. It? And, yeah, um, yeah. It's, I did it, I did it again with the fifth, uh, Colin books. Uh-huh. And last year, and it's, it was that was really terrible, and it needed a lot of a lot of work. And it's like every time I've done it, so I've done it for the first five Collins, and I got the rights back for the first book I had with uh, Thomas and Mercer, mm-hmm. um, called Snared, and I rewrote that, um, and it was literally a page one rewrite. The only thing, you know, when you're looking at these old things, um, what's usually good about old books is the idea, not the execution. Yeah. It's like. 80, 90, 100,000 words are so illusory because they're probably not very good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what's, what's, so I've talked to my, my agent a lot about this because there's a book I wrote, oh God, it was 2013, and it's about vampires in the Scottish Highlands. And it was like, yeah. there's something I really liked about it, but nobody did because it didn't sell at all. And some people keep going, are you going to do any more of them? It's like, absolutely not because nobody, <laughs> nobody reads them. Um, and, you know, like, but it's like the, the sort of the, what your brain will tell you is, oh, you know, you've got like, there's about 80,000 words, right? So you just need to go through that, tweak it, and yeah. you'll, you'll be done. And it's like, it's not, because every time I've done it, it's, it's ended up taking about five or six times longer, and it would have been quicker to write again from scratch and been a lot stronger to just take the idea that's there and, you know, put it through the sort of the sausage machine as I've developed it now, 20 odd books down the line, than three or four books down the line where it's like I was finding my feet and no idea what I was doing in a lot of cases. It hadn't, because I come from a sort of self publishing background, um, it, you don't get automatically get any editing. Like, so yeah. if you sell a book to a publisher, you go through three or four rounds of editing and that's after uh, an agent has uh, torn it apart to submit and and so on and when you're self-publishing you're just you, you have no idea about the unless you've worked in the industry or, yeah. or, or whatever you don't really know <laughs> what you're supposed to do and you just pick <laughs> stuff up um, and now you know I've done it so many times both published and self-published and I've got a slick process for the self-publishing stuff now where I've got some trusted editors and stuff but the earlier stuff, there was no editing, and it was it was like my dad checking for typos and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, so why the mix of the of the publishing, the, the stuff with the agent, and stuff with yourself? Why is that coming? Um, if part of it is like when my agent sort of suggested it to us. I started out. So it's a guy called Alan Guthrie, who is a sort of 
an author in his own right back in the day um, and now sort of agents and edits and he's getting back into writing so we're co-writing a novel or we have been for the last five years and we're finally going to get it finished um, how, how does that work how's that yeah. process um, so it was a book he wrote would be about ten years ago now so he's doing a uh, creative writing MA and one of the things of that is you do a, a novel and stuff and he wrote it as he would one of his so he write, wrote a lot of sort of noir books so like, like 50 stuff like James M. Cain and all those mm-hmm. guys but set in modern contemporary Edinburgh like in Portobello and around here and stuff um, and they weren't particularly commercial but you got a lot of sort of they're really incredibly well written books so you got a lot of um, praise from like people like Val McDermott and Ian Rankin and um, so, so he wrote this book as part of that uh, MA and um, kind of never never really nailed it because it was the idea he's got is, is um, fairly sort of serial killery and his his background is all about sort of really nasty characters doing nasty things and getting worse mm-hmm. um, and doing, doing a sort of police procedural kind of thing which is what a serial killer novel would generally be it didn't that those bits didn't work so. Um, a lot of it has been um, me me taking his idea, writing something new. Both of us realising it wasn't very good. <laughs> Try another <laughs> go. And it, we went through about three or four passes trying to get it right. And I, la- I think it was about two years ago, I sort of sat down and took about I don't know seven or eight of the drafts we both created over the over the years and collated it into something else and added a little bit another. 30 or 40,000 words and it wasn't the right the, the writing level stuff wasn't very good but it actually it's quite a complex idea or certainly a complex idea to get right if that makes sense mm-hmm. so um, it's got a lot of moving parts and there's a lot of the a lot of complex uh, character stuff um, and I think we've, we've got it to the point where certainly the, the the building blocks are all right the the problems with it were, are now the writing and so Al's going through that and um, sort of finessing it so it's a lot of people like, so Mark Edwards I mentioned before he's, he wrote a few books with another writer called Louise Voss huge sellers um, and they the way they wrote about it was that they had two characters and they wrote their own wrote a character and they right, okay, between okay. them okay. and uh, other people so like one person will, will be like an expert at outlining and another person will be an expert at you know nice writing and all that sort of stuff so there's a sort of clear dividing line between the sort of the roles and responsibilities mm-hmm. whereas um, so actually it remembers, reminds me of another book I keep going on about books I've read about yeah. but um, is it Write, Publish, Repeat by I can't remember who the guys were but they, they do have a load of podcasts it wasn't. It's not a self-publishing format because that's Mark uh, Dawson, but something like that. Yeah, yeah. But they, there's about three or four of them who have this company where they um, write uh, collaboratively. So they, they'll pair off, and you can imagine having different combinations. So someone will do like what they call the, their beats. So there's like here's like I don't know. 30 or 40 beats, this happens, this happens, blah, 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 yeah. and it's all tight, and then someone will turn that into a book, and then for the next book, they might do the beats and someone else someone writes else it. Write it. So, and they, they, do, they have a sort of really solid business model of, you know, first book free, second one this, and it, it works mm-hmm. really, really well for them. 
none of them have got like publishing backgrounds as far as I remember, but some, I think some of them had like sort of digital marketing stuff, which has mm-hmm. really sort of held a lot of, uh, you know, it was helped their sort of yeah. approach to that and it, it's really worked for them. So, yeah, so there's a lot of a lot of different ways to, yeah. to sort of co-write. I mean, I'm just thinking about what Alan's doing sometimes. I suppose some writers would be, if you if they've written a story, even if it doesn't work that well, they'd be reluctant to let someone else play yeah. with that story. Yeah, yeah. And, and it is a collaborative approach because you still have to uh, work with an editor unless you just don't. <laughs> yeah, um, and you and you so you work with two or three editors who help you develop the idea into something that's publishable, um, and you work with agents and you you know and so on and. Um, when you when you're collaborating, you have to sort of you have to work with someone who you you implicitly trust and get on yeah. extremely well with, and whose where your relationship is sufficiently strong that if it was to go really badly, that it would survive, or you know that you can talk through the difficulties mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's been the reason it's taken so long is there's a lot of um, a lot of sort of time constraints and Al's side from other sort of work he's had to do. Um, and that, you know that's been something that's been quite frustrating for me mm-hmm. because I've put in you know you know like about two or three books worth of time into it, um, but it's something I still believe in. And it's actually, if you look back over the projects I've done, it's one of the ones I've learned the most from because when you're writing with someone, especially a, an author. So when I before I met met him and he was my, became my agent, he was one of my favourite authors. And it's like you know the way he writes is exactly everything I wanted to do, and I mm-hmm. didn't have the the skills or technique to be able to do that. So actually, seeing how someone else approaches uh, a, a book is incredibly um, you know, powerful because you you sort of you're getting inside their head and you can actually see other ways of doing it you just you know all your life experiences will lead you down one way and then you actually see someone else's completely different stuff and it's like all right okay so there's all these you know his he's really 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 strong on character motivations and stuff which obviously should be very strong in the police Mm -hmm. procedural but a lot of it's it's mystery and stuff so you don't really you, you if you don't show the the villain doing their crimes and getting away with it and all that sort of stuff. You don't really cover that sort of stuff until towards the end when you have the scene in the library where there's major broomstick with a pipe yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's um, it's all about you know like so why are some people doing this? Making sure it's it's very very logically sort of approached. So you you know as far as you you can achieve that. It all makes sense, and someone whoever's in the situation is behaving as they as they see fit in in sort of most logical way. Mm-hmm. The other thing I was going to ask, actually, what you covered there was when you you know saying that going back over something old, yeah, and it would be quicker to actually start rewriting it, yeah, um, from scratch. But certainly when I've when I've done that, and I have done that with a couple of things, mm-hmm. it's difficult to let go of. What's already there, even if you're Absolutely. like, even if it's not in front of you, the kind, of, the ideas kind of lodged in your head, it, and while you're basing it on the ideas, sometimes it can do, it can take a long time to actually veer away from yeah. what you've already yeah, done. Absolutely. Um, yeah, um, and and also like because I'm looking old, at old stuff, it's uh, it's stuff that's been published and is like number X in a series of Y books. So there's like loads of stuff written on top of that so I can't necessarily go yeah. back and change it so much 
but yeah, the that the, the the easy thing is to sort of is actually to do that, but it's it's so hard to do it. It's mm. it's it is actually a lot more efficient um, and effective to do to just get a page one rewrite. To, you start again. What's the you know? What, usually, when I, when things fall apart at that, that early stage of outlining, what I'm usually getting to is what's the actual nub of the story. And mm-hmm. one of the, a lot of stuff I've been trying to do this year is develop my sort of idea generation. So I'm always in awe of authors who have like just ridiculously excellent high level stuff. So like Linwood Barclay mm-hmm. um, or Blake Crouch, very different uh, writers, but they've got incredible. You know, you just look at the pitch. You know, like Steve Kavanagh's uh, thirteen book. You know, the pitch is so strong. You know, like that's what sells these th- these books. It doesn't matter how how good yeah. you are as a writer, and these are all really good writers as well. Um, but the, the the difference between like someone who's as good a writer, but with sort of average ideas, it's it's it's, it's very obvious, and that's what um, editors at publishing houses are after. It's like really simple unique strong ideas that mm. you can just go you know the elevator pitch stuff yeah and it's as simple as the word isn't it because yeah. the best stories are ones that you go oh that's a great <laughs> idea why you know why has that not been done before because it seems so obvious but yes. obviously it wasn't but yeah, yeah. The, 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 it's the it's like there's some sort of hook and mm-hmm. usually you know it's sort of dabbling around and uh, you know like the stuff I've, I've written i'm pleased with a lot of it but i wouldn't say you know it's like the sort of thing hollywood are going to be eager to 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 convert into films because film is is the concept is king there Mm -hmm. so it's like none of my stuff yeah they're not going to be after they're not going to be after any of it and I'm aware of that I think you know TV maybe is a bit different but developing that um, concept is the is the hardest is the hardest thing to do and you can tell like these guys they you know if you look like the other day I was looking through all of them in Barclay's novels that on Amazon, just the blurbs, mm-hmm. and it's like, and they're so strong and so unique. And there's a, there's a lot of things he he will explore, like you know, there's a lot of missing people, mysteries, and all that sort of stuff, and there's some terror stuff, and there's you. But it's like you know, they're they're very strong and but also very simple and pure. Mm-hmm. And like you know, going back to that, it's like getting to that. It's, it, I wish I knew how 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 he did it. I could borrow his brain for like a couple of days. But it might be that it takes these guys, you know, a year to develop the idea, and it's a very painful and slow and difficult mm-hmm. process. To, you're chipping away, so you've got this storyline, and, mm-hmm. and then you just go, oh, but I have to take this out, and then six months later, take that out, and then, uh, right, and then all of a sudden you get that moment of clarity. Yeah. You, it's yeah. like, ah, oh, this is. This is it. And now I know what I need to write. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that is true because I've, I've often found that I've only written one book, that, uh, which is a kind of kind of crime book. But I think even as I was writing it, I think I always thought it's this type of book. And then the more drafted of it, I kind of realised, oh, actually, this is what the story is about. And it took about eight, nine drafts for me to realise what the actual story was and what the, what the thrust of the book was. And it was actually ended up being a very different book than what <laughs> I had been when I first started or what I thought it would, it yeah, would yeah. be. I think you're right. I think you don't know at first when you first start and that taught me I need to plan more and not just start writing with the first idea that yeah well I mean the way I think about it is because like that first book I did took me three years and that was so it was the first sort of positive sign I got from the world of publishing was that when you you know I don't know what it's like now but back in the day all you would do is you'd get the writers and artists yearbook go through mm-hmm. it send it off to the agents and then you know it's like 
three chapters and a synopsis and a cover mm-hmm. letter, blah, blah, yeah. blah, and you're just waiting for the rege- standard form rejection slips to come through. Or not even. Or not even, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, but actually, the, I got, like, what, uh, um, I can't even remember which agent it was, uh, came back and said, can we have the full thing? And it's like, oh, my God. And I actually finished it, and I spent, and my girlfriend never lets me forget this, but we spent her birthday weekend on the air <laughs> going through... Uh, she was editing it and I was correcting it. She was editing it on one computer and I was editing it on another. I was checking her <laughs> changes. And, yeah, um, and it was like, but, it, you know, then it went off and they came back three months later saying, yeah, it's not a big enough story or whatever. And I got really angry and I'm going to show them. And I sort of sat down and go, this is how I'll do it, I'll change it. And then I didn't do any of it. I, just, <laughs> I got really busy in my day job and blah, blah, blah. And then a friend said, what to that book because he'd read it and liked it and I said oh yeah so I sat down and, and that was actually I, I figured out the bad guy's motivation when I was walking the dogs on the beach one day and it was like alright ah, okay so that's how it works and then, and then I got all these changes but I, I ended up like I had a 90,000 word novel and I think I kept about 30,000 so I had to write another 60,000 mm-hmm. of new stuff because there's just lots of because I'd be making it up as I go along and there was a lot of police procedure and I had no idea what I was doing and it was none of it made sense when I read it back and I could see why I got rejected and then it's like, okay, but, you know, you know, turned it into something I think, you know, it, now it's it's like borderline okay but then I was like really pleased with it. Is that the, the first, was do. that the first Scott Cullen book? Yeah, Ghosting Machine, machine yeah. yeah. Um, I it's like I used to be in bands and stuff and one of the guys used to play guitar I would play bass he played guitar and he used to sort of say but when they were starting out in his previous band you come up with all these guitar, these guitar parts that you could just about play not quite and you're having to do it on stage and it's like but you're pushing your technique and your skill and that's what kind of what I've done I'll try to do all the time is just push myself to something I can't quite do <laughs> to, yeah. to sort of because, you know, for one thing, it's the only thing that makes you interesting, but also, um, if you want to turn it into, to do this as a career, you have to, I think you you have to keep getting better at it and keep it fresh for yourself and trying to do new mm-hmm. things and get new experiences out of it. Um, yeah. So, so I mean, with the Scott Cullen books, you started off self-publishing. Yeah. And then, wait, so... Uh, first of all, how did that work out for you? Did it, did it do well did it immediately, um, or did it no, take a bit of time? No, it was a complete to, disaster yeah. immediately. Um, <laughs> it was. It got to the point where I remember being on holiday and like, you know, it was not the sort of thing you should do on holiday, but checking my KDP uh, sales, <laughs> and it's like, is this working? Because I haven't said I haven't sold any. <laughs> so I went and bought it myself, and then it came through a couple of hours later. So, so it is working. I just haven't been selling any books. <laughs> And and those days it was like a lot of uh, so it was kind of like the there was a sort of golden age of KDP sort of stuff about two thousand eleven where like sort of John Locke and Amanda Hawking mm. and those people and you know they just chucked stuff up for nine p and sold millions in America or whatever and um, I think Mark Edwards and Louise Voss did their first book then and did there was loads of stuff because it was like wild west country on amazon yeah, mm. totally. they like i remember the story mark tells us about how they 
they put the title, changed the title of the book, how it was called, but afterwards, for fans of Stephen King and Steve Larson, <laughs> kaboom up to number three in the charts. But you see that, number. don't you? A lot of Amazon titles have, you know, for fans of so and so, twist you won't see coming or something. Yeah, yeah, all that. that must be a big thing. So that was a big thing. So that so the, the reason why they did it was because the Amazon algorithm read that in and presented those books to genuinely to people <laughs> who'd bought Stephen King or Steve Larson oh, books. Right. Okay. So that's why they got so high at the charts. It's not that like, you know, you people just stumble upon it. It's the complete opposite. It's like Amazon throwing attention at people mm. and all the, the sort of the stuff now, like, you know, a twist you won't see coming, mm. a psychological thriller about, of the exactly, year, yeah. Sunday Times bestseller and stuff. The reason those a lot of digital publishers were using that stuff was the algorithm again was picking that up. Right. So a lot of a lot of the Amazon stuff is people hacking that trying to hack the algorithm. Yeah. So someone will find something. Ah yeah. You see this field that says publisher, right? Put Stephen King or put you know whatever. <laughs> I don't know. That that's the sort of stuff people have done. And it the, the algorithm goes, Oh right, Stephen King and I'll put say you've bought a book by Stephen King, you might want to look at this. And that's why that's what generates sales. So people are a lot of they're doing a lot of sort of, it's kind of gaming the system mm. in a way, but it's like it's 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 a it's a, it's a marketing tool and yeah. and it, and also if the books were rubbish, that would be kind of productive because you get people buying a spending two pounds on a dreadful book yeah. that's about you know God knows vampires in the Highlands <laughs> <laughs> and they want a Stephen King book set in Maine about something else yeah. you know or whatever and they go oh my God, this is terrible so you it, you your reviews would. The yeah. scores would plummet. plummet. Yeah. So yeah, there is there is a certain element where it's is actually you're gaming the system, but you have to have a good product behind it. Um, and I got that was a digression, but um, so yeah, it was it was really slow at start, and it, it did a lot of stuff on Twitter mainly, which is quite hard to do now because it's a cesspit. But in those this is 2012, and it was a bit nicer then, mm. um, and there was like. Some naughty things you could do. Um, called an app called Tweet Adder, where you followed. You, you got to say Ian Rankin, mm-hmm. and it grabbed all his followers, and you had a big pile, of, and then it would start following them. And if it didn't follow, the person didn't follow you back within three days, it would unfollow them. And if they did follow you back, they'd send you direct, send them a direct message saying, "Hi, nice to meet you. You might like my book." Blah blah blah. And it was amazing how well it worked. Okay. Um, but they banned that about a year later. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, that's the sort of that was one of the things because it, it it sort of got people doing that. It did work, and that's a lot of the Facebook advertising and Amazon advertising now. It's kind of along those lines where you're you're basically just targeting someone. Yeah. Like if you look at um, the stuff Mark Dawson does on his um, Facebook ads courses and stuff, you know his books are very similar to Lee Child. So what he will do when he's setting up an advert campaign is target people who like Lee Child on Facebook, and he'll send them adverts for this book that's very much this is about Lee Child, and that a lot of that's what publishers will do as well. If you if you're at Orion or Penguin or whatever, they'll be buying your book because it reminds them a bit of Ian Rankin or Lee Child or whatever, mm. but slightly different. There's this different spin on it, so they can go to Waterstones or Tesco or whoever and say, you, you know, this book is like Ian Rankin or Lee yeah. Child, but it's slightly different. And um, and it, you know, it's all how all the marketing stuff works. But that so that was the sort of trick, and that kind of got a chunk of sales. 
And then I think the second book in the series came out in October, and uh, the third one it was January of the next year. So that was like was quite so, quick. Yeah, so that's one of the things about the indie side of it is you have to be quick. Um, you'll see, you know, whenever I've so there was a point where I had a year gap. I think I might have had that twice, and my sales went right, right down, yeah. and that was because I had. I was stockpiling books with uh, Amazon Publishing and Thomas and Mercer. So they released a few quite close together. But it was taking me, you know, say nine months to write them. And then they were releasing them over like two months or three months or something. So you kind of, you, you do need a, a regular publishing cadence or something just to sort of keep you in the, t- the yeah. algorithm and ticking over so that the, 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 it keeps presenting your books to new readers and stuff. Um, and that's one of the definite big things you need to do. And it, but also, like you're building up. The objective I wanted was to build up a decent enough backlist, just for like, well, this is quite a good thing to do. But yeah. a lot of you know, I rem- remember reading a Lee Child thing, and I, th- I think it might have been in that book. Uh, Reacher said nothing, which is a, which is I highly recommend reading. Um, but it was it basically says you write the front, they write a new book to sell the backlist because you know he's got I think it's the twenty fourth ones out soon. Mm. Um, but you know he writes a lot of um, you know books because obviously he's still getting massive income from the uh, the, the backlist, uh, and I don't think he needs to to work or write like J.K. Rowling and stuff. But they do it just. But that's there's a definitely definitely true for people like us guys down in the trenches that you do need to keep that sort of regular, mm-hmm. frequent release thing, especially in the indie world. You do need to you know release often, and also I think you don't need. The 120, 160 word doorstop, sort of you look at your value in the spine lid sort of thing, you know, that you can get, you, people don't tend to notice when they're reading on a Kindle or an iPad or whatever yeah, that yeah, it's um, 60,000 words or whatever as opposed to 120. And and actually, I'm, I'm a big fan of much shorter books. Like if you look back at the sort of the golden age of paperbacks in America in like the 50s mm-hmm. and stuff. Those those books were thirty five thousand words. Like the early Ed McBain ones, for example, the Eight Seventh Precinct, they were about thirty thirty five thousand words, and they sold like millions and millions and millions of copies of those books. And they're really good, really tight, really focused. Mm-hmm. And then they started losing readers and trying to increase their income by saying, "Can you you know write longer author write longer books so that we can uh, show that you're getting more value? We can charge you ten dollars for a book <laughs> because it's got that much extra spine with." Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the you know, so getting just new product out there is a is a really good thing to do. I mean, it's a, you need, you have to be incredibly disciplined to do what you yeah. do for four and books was, a year. So I, I was doing that for eighteen months before I went, was able to go full time, mm-hmm. and you know, so I was I was working in London and sitting in hotel rooms, you know, because I used to live up here and was flying down there and. Mm-hmm training back and every opportunity was writing you know so taking my laptop and before sitting in a cafe before work going out at lunchtime sitting writing and after work getting something to eat checking emails and then going to a hotel room and writing and well, um, yeah, it's a lot of effort. Then. It's, yeah, and, you know, you're, you're kind of chasing a dream, and you don't you don't want to put all that effort in. You know, you you get a, <laughs> the universe tells you if, if your efforts are not quite appreciated, <laughs> and that nobody like nobody's interested or or whatever. Then you know, it's like it's it's okay to not be good at something. Like I'm rubbish at football, no matter how good I want to be at it. <laughs> um, 
but you know, like it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like it's, you know, people, you know, if if you want to try to be a writer, then you you need to see the the reality of it, and it is not. You know, people see, oh yeah, yeah, it's a dream, and it's and all that sort of stuff, and. Maybe if you're Lee Child or J.K. Rowling or whatever, you know, you never have to work again, sort of thing. But it is still a job. You know, you yeah. still have to to produce stuff. And I find that you know, I have to produce uh, still more books. And it's like you know, it gets you know, you, and also you get, certain things get harder. Like you get more skilled, but your motivation levels go down <laughs> yeah. because. Um, I've had books that have sold not what I expected, so you get very angry about them because it's. The way, you know, wasted um, as effort, like you know, the opportunity cost. I could have sat and mm-hmm. written another column instead of doing that, or I could have done this instead of doing that. And you know, you got you get so it focuses me to get better at planning ahead, and not yeah. just going right. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. So I'm set, the stuff that I'm doing now is I'm setting a certain through sales threshold for the next book in a series, rather than just going ahead and writing it and waiting for people to. Have bought enough to make it worth my while because you get an idea, usually get an idea that it will sell this far into a series. I know it will sell pretty much the same as the last one over a certain amount yeah. of time, but I don't want to start the clock ticking until they've it's reached a certain level because yeah. I could be you know just you know if it never gets there, then I I know right. Well, I don't have to write anymore in that series because <laughs> nobody wants me to, or not enough people want me to. So, so what is the difference? You know, you said you've got your self-publishing yeah. stuff now pretty streamlined. What is what is it that you do now that you didn't do before? Well, uh, yeah, so having editors and good editors that you can trust. So because I'm writing quickly, you want people who also edit quickly and, and well. Um, so you know that when you get a manuscript, it's going to take them two weeks or whatever to return it, and um, a lot of a lot of it is so trying to be very efficient with the process. So like the last the sixth venture book I did, which came out um, end of last month, um, the way I did that was um, I so I wrote the outline, and instead of sitting down and writing really. You know, not that, not that I ever do it, but beautiful prose, or whatever. I just wrote a dialogue draft, what I call it. So um, it would be like an example, you know, just like a train of dialogue, then an action which would show an emotion. So it'd be just like Fenchurch is angry because he's always angry, and then more dialogue, and then someone else's dialogue and their emotion, and just uh, and, and just a brief note there in a cafe outside, yeah. and um, and so on, so that. So then, and then um, went through and edited that, and then um, got my agent to edit that, and uh, you know, came, and then I went through and fleshed it out. And the reason I did that was because earlier, like you're saying about that thirty thousand words of ninety thousand, and then writing new stuff, all that sheen and polish you put on those scenes and chapters and stuff is kind of um, wasted. It's wasted, you know. It's like because it's the Stephen King thing of kill your darlings. It's yeah. like you know, when you kill your darlings, it's like this. If it, you know, the he, t- he talks a lot about um, in on writing about you know the the first draft is about finding the book and the second yeah. draft is taking everything else out like, or whatever his quote was. But um, you know, they, it's about being efficient because a lot of time you'll find going through. Oh, this makes sense. Why have I done that in that order? I need to move this. Or yeah. that seems rubbish. So. I've actually only spent an hour or an hour and a half 
um, doing that um, that scene that just it's just dialogue, and actually I can go back and uh, and just trim out and there's some bits that I want to move into another scene. And because they're they're in a cafe, they're sort of notionally in a cafe. They know that when I write it, they'll be in a cafe. And actually, this chunk actually takes place in an inter- police interview room, mm-hmm. where the actions and atmosphere would be very different. Then you you're, you've you've not wasted that that time. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was quite yeah. a clean and efficient process. The only problem with that one was it, it was it was a novella and ended up being a novel. So <laughs> <laughs> that was the the difficulty with that. But it's, it's something I've done before. The only thing is you've got to be aware that. When you do that dialogue draft thing, you do end up with a book that's very dialogue Yeah. <laughs> so if you want a lot of internal sensations and, and things like that, you've got to be very careful that you're not just using all your notional words up with yeah. churning That's dialogue. quite an interesting way of doing it. And, and I have to say, because I can imagine it working well in the French Church one, because a lot of it, I thought the thing that I enjoyed the most was the dialogue. Yeah. I thought that you did a really good job of giving every character their own style of speech and stuff and the, and the way and the kind of back and forth banter I thought uh-huh. was excellent and cool. and I kind of laughed out loud a few times at some of the things they were saying and it felt very real and I, so I can imagine that working well for that, for that series yeah, of books yeah so like so the, the thriller I wrote it wouldn't it, it definitely wouldn't work yeah, for that exactly. because it's got three points of view for example as well so the you have to really capture the voices and I think I, mean, I can't remember how I differentiated the three Voices, but one of them's first person and is a bit of a mystery about their identity, and another person's a, um, a detective or an FBI agent, and another one's a, a politician. And it's like you know, making sure each of those characters have the, the voices, like their internal voice is different. So that that didn't wouldn't suit that. And there's a lot of chases and action and tension and fighting and all that sort of stuff. But like, definitely a police procedural that works really well to you know where it's, it is back and forth, it is yeah. banter, mm-hmm. and you're you're focusing on not you know not all the sort of flannel. <laughs> you're just like getting the story out. What's the objective? What's the outcome? You know, what do they want here? And being quite you know quite pure about it, and, and hopefully you know rattling through that. And then and it's like it's got going back to my days of IT project management stuff. It's like it's all about. Um, testing and making sure that you're you're going through things many times rather than just sitting down once and writing it to the end. It's actually no, I'll do a blip 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 to go through about ten or twelve times. I was going to say, is it? I was going to ask if it was linked to what you did before because it is. It's a very methodical <laughs> yeah, way of yeah. doing it that uh, yeah, it, many people wouldn't probably approach it that way. Yeah, if you look at, um, it's not that different. So. Um, like in an IT environment, um, you have like a set of business requirements. So this is what the uh, end user wants of something, whether it's like a banking system or it's Google or it's just your roommate's uh, spreadsheet mm-hmm. that you're building for them. Um, and then you, the, then the, the technical solution would be to design that and you've got like a blueprint there. Um, and then someone goes away and builds that. Um, and because you've got a, an understood set of requirements, You've got tests that you can apply to that. So does this what, what's been designed and built match what is at the start, and then uh, and then you implement it and publish it. Or, so I put it into production. Yeah. And with with books, it's like it's, it's that you have got that design phase of you know. So well, the way I approach it anyway, yeah. you know. So you're designing your sort of story. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what the theme I want to cr- approach, and here's the character I want to write about, and. So what's the sort of the the mystery? What's the question? What's the sort of concept? 
and then you you know you've got this big chunk of design time, uh, build time, sorry, where you're you're just mm-hmm. crashing through the words, and that you know the, the only way I I can do it is to just to, to map everything out and then hammer through that. I know people will take months and months and months to do that, and there's a lot of thinking time involved in that that space. But I just yeah. get that down to like as short a time as possible, two or three weeks to get through that, but then look over that a couple of right. times. So I, I'm doing my own test against it, and that's like the, with the testing of an IT system versus testing and you're doing a publishing thing, it's editing. Mm-hmm. So um, you're looking at, you know, I've you know, developed all these, these things because I've worked with, very, with a lot of different editors and know a lot of what people are looking for. And, mm-hmm. and actually one of the best ways is to sort of design, part of the design of my book process is to put those 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 things in so like the, the I was talking earlier about the um, objective obstacle and outcome stuff yeah. that's because I know that if I just do an ex- scene as exposition or just someone sitting in a car thinking an editor's going to go this is rubbish cut it because nothing <laughs> happens or it doesn't show anything mm-hmm, yeah. and it's like, okay right so you know um, I'll have someone putting a bomb under the car in the previous <laughs> scene so or you know so it's got some tension to it um, or whatever, so, but there's that when you design it with to, to pass editing in mind, it yeah. makes it much quicker to not only write but to edit it as well. Because mm-hmm. um, you know, doing four books a year is not just four book. You know, writing yeah. taking twelve, thirteen weeks to write a book. It's you know, you've got editing, and your your time as an author in the editing process can be short, and it can be quite long. So I know I know an author who took 15 months to edit their first book mm-hmm. because the publisher believed in it that much and you know they liked certain elements of it and so on but um, you can also do it in like two weeks or whatever mm-hmm. you know it depends on your, on your sort of skill level and what the what the outcome is and so on well then how do you know when when you're finished then how do you know when whether it's a two week or a four week or uh, how do you know when, when this book's ready to go or is it a case of waiting to see what your agent it, says I, well, it's, it's basically just the you assume. So, it's when we talk in IT, you have all these stage gates. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Prince Two, which is the, pro, the British government's project management framework, which everyone's supposed to use, but nobody actually does because it's just ridiculous. <laughs> but they have these stage gates. So, when you do design, you have an end, a bit at the end where everyone has a meeting and goes, "Yes, I'm happy to progress into build and do that." So, it's kind of like the sort of thing you'd have in the book. With the book, is that you. Have, I, I generally now pitch ideas to me and he goes no this doesn't work how about that and I go yeah, yeah maybe but no I'll, I'll do this and you know so like getting that idea generation stuff so that so by the time I've even started outlining it I know it's something that's going to be with commercial potential and it's like when you talk about people like Leonard Barclay and Blake Crouch and stuff all the um, those concepts those guys are coming up with that that's the time they'll spend developing to the point where they can they'll they'll talk it probably through with the editors or agents and say and they'll go yeah this is great so they know that the time spent writing it is not at all wasted because it's like the concept's been absolutely nailed and that's where I kind of trying to get to mm-hmm. now is just is that that level of stuff because I've done books where the concept was just not well baked at all and I should have spent a lot more time developing that and that's my my fault but something I've learned and I'm trying to develop on um, and but you, you, you know you'll get I always assume that it's going to be published until someone tells me otherwise and it's that point where 
they tell you otherwise that can be a bit of a, a bit of a kicker. But yeah. um, it's it's important to be open with that and yeah. and and have done as little work as possible before <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So you're not wasting your time. Yeah. Um, I, remember, I think Richard Ashcroft from The Verve said about his songs. It's like he's got always got lots of ideas, and it's like. The trick is both having lots of ideas and then to be able to tell which ones are good. Um, whether you can agree with his solo career's quality or not, <laughs> um, but that I think that's a sort of really good sort of um, you know a, you know good idea or good process to have is to generate lots of ideas and be able to sort of attack them. And sometimes you find if you've got like I went through like about twenty or thirty ideas in January, and sometimes it was like this is rubbish, this is rubbish. But if I connect them and this happens, ah, I get something that's quite interesting. And not, not that I've done anything with them, but mm. just the practice of, of taking an idea and trying to form something nice mm-hmm. is quite good. But usually what happens with these concepts is it'll be nothing to do with hard work. It'll be a shower yeah. thought or something. Yeah, 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 right. But um, it's probably another, another <laughs> saying, but it's all, it's the sort of the golf. I think how much golfer it was, but he said it's like um, you know luck. Luck comes that yeah, you know, I'm yeah. a lucky golfer, but I also tend to practice yeah, a yeah. lot or uh-huh. something. I don't know what the exact quote is, but the the more the the, the, the harder practice, the harder practice, yeah, the luckier I guess. That's it, yeah. <laughs> but that's the more you the more you practice about ideas, yeah. the the sort of better you get at developing ideas or being able to recognise this idle thought is actually oh, if I spin it around this way, then I get this mm-hmm. and I get that. Um, yeah, and you know, Charlie Brooker is really good at, at that for you know, the Black Mirror yeah, stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I mean, they're not all perfect, but like some of the like USS Callister episode and mm-hmm. San yeah, 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 just those like, two are great. Yeah. Um, such amazing concepts. And a lot of that stuff is he focuses on character and wants, uh, even though it's like a sort of weird sci fi twisted world yeah. sort of thing that you get. You know this clear character motivation thing thread running through it, and that's why it's captivating TV to watch. Mm-hmm. And why people love it so much? I think it's not just about the concept; it's about the execution. Yeah, making it very personal. Mm-hmm. It, is it only books you would want to write, or would you want to go and write a screenplay or something like um, that? I've so I've thought about this, and you know, a lot of the way I approach books is about is like you would approach a screenplay, but the thing with film is it's incredibly difficult to break in mm-hmm. um, you know like this LA is full of guys working in bars and cafes yeah. and stuff because they've got this working on the screenplay um, and it's like it's really you know, the screenwriter is the kind of most undervalued role probably yeah. in Hollywood because uh, you know I know people who've who've written in TV and film and it just sounds like an absolute nightmare the actual process is probably really good and fun to do if you've got power but the actual you know, getting into it is like seems a lot harder than getting mm-hmm. into publishing mm-hmm. um, even in the days of Netflix and Amazon buying so much content it's not it's like you know it's like it's something I, I like I enjoy watching and stuff and I you know enjoy reading the theory about but in terms of the actual business mechanics of it, I think it'd be incredibly hard to to break into, mm-hmm. and and also it's it's very much more like a like a job. Like yeah. I'm not sitting, I'm not sitting in my uh, lovely little office in the borders <laughs> <laughs> writing stuff. I want to. You'd be in on set in LA or New York or London or whatever, 
and you've got to go and get notes from some star and you've got to go then yeah. turn around your uh, screenplay by nine o'clock for shooting and all this sort of stuff and it's like god that sounds Intense. carnage yeah. yeah and you know a lot of people get a lot out of that and so it burns out a lot of people mm-hmm. and there's a lot of being away from home with that sort of thing because it's not just about writing screenplay and then doing it you will have to be on on set possibly and stuff like that yeah but I have thought about writing for games <laughs> but yeah. that's the the thing when you start like um, approaching something you love is that you with a critical eye is you start to then see behind the curtain and yeah, yeah. like with a lot of I, I went through this whole phase of um, not being able to read fiction because I, not that I knew a lot but it was just like I felt like a busman's holiday where I could see a lot of tricks or whatever and it was just it was also like I was editing what I was reading because yeah. I'd done so do so much editing of my own stuff that I was reading the stuff and I was mentally moving words around in sentence and paragraphs around and all this sort of stuff so I just wasn't able to sort of concentrate yeah. I started getting back into that um, and one of the things is struggling to watch a lot of film and TV because of um, you know just like oh well why, why would I care about this character because they've done that or whatever mm-hmm. you know sloppy writing especially a lot of films nowadays the sort of writing is very much secondary to the spectacle as well so a lot of you know big budget films yeah. it's just all it's like a roller coaster mm-hmm. it's not it's not there for isn't it's certainly not an emotional roller coaster mm-hmm. it's just a spectacle <laughs> CGI robots punching each other and stuff but ga- games actually narratively seem to be you know getting better and better absolutely yeah like we were talking earlier yeah. about um, the, the sheer strength of the writing in like The Witcher 3 and in the Uncharted games mm-hmm. and yeah. Naughty Dog stuff like Last of Us you know is an incredible yeah. you know, game the you know like it, there is, it is a formula of there's a bit of running, there's a bit of climbing, there's a bit of talky bits, and then there's a shooty bit. But the 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 story, the the world they've created for the, particularly The Last of Us, mm. where you know you can tell, you can see where they've come up with that because the Uncharted games, it's like this Indiana Jones, Lara Croft style guy, wisecracking and stuff, mm-hmm. who murders hundreds and hundreds yeah. of people <laughs> while he twats about trying to find this <laughs> ancient thing which inevitably destroys an ancient city and all this sort of stuff. But they obviously thought, right, well, what's good about that is the sort of the runny, shooty stuff, but let's make it in a world where that's justified, the post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. thing, and then you know, come up with this really sort of strong story that you know it works on so many levels and has got all these emotional yeah. hooks in it. Um, but a lot of the a lot of the game games nowadays um, tends is it, so like it's become even like film that because there's so much money in games that it's a it's a hugely commercial thing that there's so much so little risk unless you're doing an indie thing. Um, but like the the AAA games like mm. Red Dead Redemption yeah. Two or the Assassin's Creed games or whatever they're produced by hundreds and hundreds of people and. There's there either these sort of open world things or there's the online shooter stuff yeah. like Destiny or Anthem or whatever that is very you know sort of not my sort of game because it's yeah. like sort of very sort of teeny sort of thing mm-hmm. and and even more in Fortnite, the Fortnite yeah. and yeah. Apex Legends yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So um, is that? But actually, sort of a lot of the best games I've played recently are on the, the old Switch. The mm-hmm. Indie stuff. So, 
I think that's right. I think I think the narrative has shifted to the smaller games, and as you say, the big the big budget ones have gone more kind of multiplayer or yeah. open world. Where there's not such a tight narrative. Absolutely. One of the, one of the games that I really enjoyed was um, Life is Strange. Yeah. Which I've not played that yet, but it's, it's, really yeah, it's the game element of it isn't massive. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like a sort of interactive story, but the story is so good that yeah, and you it does. It does somehow draw you more in than a film because you do have some control over yeah, what's yeah. happening. Other stuff that I played recently, like on the Switch and PlayStation, like Oxen Free. Oh yeah, oh, yeah that was great. Great. So yeah. What becomes yeah. of Edith Finch? Yeah. yeah, and and things like that. There's not much to these games. Yeah, though, so, yeah. Firewatch. Have you played? Yeah, played that? so that's yeah, like really great. good storytelling, mm-hmm. but has pretty good gameplay elements. Whereas stuff like Bioshock or whatever has a lot of sort of incredible world building and storytelling yeah. and stuff. But the gameplay is like go and get this thing and put it there yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Whereas those guys are like really developing something new with mm-hmm. the storytelling and uh, the, before they fell apart, the Telltale yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some really good, incredible storytelling with the, the Walking Dead one particularly. Yeah, that, you know, that was that was excellent. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's much better than TV series. The Wolf Among Us. The Wolf Among Us. Yeah, that's based on the was the fables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really I like that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think I think I think Life is Strange is more along the lines of that kind of episodic. Um, yeah, you know, you pick your own adventure a little bit, and you have yeah. some you have some choices and stuff. And it is it's the storytelling, and the characters are just top notch. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's definitely one I need to. I keep forgetting about, it and should play it. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Is there any plans to to move any of your characters onto the TV or anything? Um, like I mean, it's all sort of it's sort of like I'm interested in in having done, but it's all comes down to production companies just want you know want mm-hmm. to do it or your agent pitching it to someone's right. There's been bits of whispers of this, but no, nothing's been optioned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of writers who've had stuff optioned and nothing ever yeah, comes of it, yeah. no matter how exciting it is. It can be a distraction as well. So I know a lot of people who've written screenplays for the books and they never get made. Yeah. Forty drafts later, they're still hammering through <laughs> the screenplay. So um, yeah, it's a different world, but it's not. It's, a, it's something I'm open to. I'm, I'm trying to develop stuff that has more of that um, multimedia appeal, I suppose you'd say. Mm. So. Um, but yeah, it's not it's not something that's like pending. There's no NDAs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and is it going? To, are you going to stay mainly on the police procedure, or are you going to? Expand I really that? don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, I like, it, yeah, it's given me a lot and stuff, but it's it's just I, I I still write. I need to still write them to because there's people. A lot of people want them, and I still actually when I do. There's always something I can really get out of it, but it's it's just the I, I'm worried that I'm becoming stale with uh, with it because it's like it's the same same old stuff, and it's uh, you know a cop investigating this. So you've got so many constraints, and I actually want to do more more thrillery stuff. So it's mm-hmm. like um, it's just different, you know. There's yeah. like you know just having people in an interview room talking. Or, yeah. It's hard to make that fresh. Yeah. Again, yeah. A little chase to break it up and all this sort of stuff. And there's and there's all lots of tricks and techniques I've done. And I, I you know a lot of put a lot of sort of office politics and books and stuff because it's it's what I know and stuff. But it's like I know I, I wait. I worry about just repeating myself and running through the same 
the same stuff again and again. But you know, that's uh, you know, it's is 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 good to have it, but I just need to keep it fresh. So it's sort of slowing, trying to slow down that sort of thing and do sort of different stuff. Yeah. Um, it, it, and it's it's about keeping yourself interested as well. And obviously, obviously, you want people to to keep you know to write something that's like adjacent so that your fans will yeah. follow you and, and yeah. enjoy the books that are slightly different. You're not going to write a fantasy book or something suddenly. No, I did write a science fiction book, but it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those ones that I keep going back to. How do I get this to work? And it's like it just. I've got it down to it's a present day thing. So <laughs> it was set in the future, and it's like, yeah, it's um, it's it's actually there's not, the grass is greener stuff as well. Yeah, like you yeah. know, writing if you want to write the next Game of Thrones or whatever, it's like well, it's actually pretty hard to do that. I know a lot of <laughs> fantasy authors, and it's like you know they, they can make good decent mm-hmm. money, but um, in terms of that mass market thing, you know, you, there's only really going to be two fantasy things that were yeah. and that's Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings yeah, yeah, whereas, yeah, and they're right. you know not that different but one's one is you know they're just inversions really yeah, you know one's yeah. a lot darker and, um, you know and the science fiction stuff is a bit more bit more diverse because it's but there's, there's a lot more scope there but, you, but then it's I don't know the way the world is just now it's like it's very hard to predict yes it's out in the future so a lot of this sort of black mirror stuff tends to be sort of just just around the corner Mm -hmm. sort of thing and that's that's actually quite interesting to think about but I I wrote something about someone who dies now and gets brought back to life uh, perhaps 150 years in the future and Mm -hmm. I thought it was it was quite good fun doing the world building and stuff but then the more I read about the futurology sort of side of things it was just like you can't even predict ten years time now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, that's right because it is. It can be it actually, yeah. Because something I've written is say it's that sort of set in a world like ours, mm-hmm. but only a bit in the future. But even that can become very dated if you're using things like cell phones or something yeah, that, that they won't have yeah. even in the future. Yeah, ten like years or something mm-hmm. like that. One of my friends wrote a sort of. But it was, a, it was not quite a post-apocalyptic because it's about the apocalypse, <laughs> but yeah. um, more it's just a dystopian becoming the apocalypse. I suppose is what it was. Mm-hmm. And and I was reading the, the first chapter, and it's like someone had a tablet, and it's like this is about fifty years in the future. There's absolutely no way yeah. a soldier on a battlefield is going to have a tablet. It's all going to be inside their heads or something. Even mm-hmm. like probably ten, fifteen years, we yeah. won't have yeah, phones no, or laptops. Right, yeah. It'll be. Yeah. Brain computer interface and the rate of technology, the rate of change of technology is just phenomenal yeah. now, mm-hmm. and for better and worse. Um, so, like writing stuff where you're project telescoping forward in the future is really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it, 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 so the, the important thing is not about the technology in the future; it's about the characters yeah. and about some so, something that you're trying to say about those characters. I think. Um, but I never had an interesting character. <laughs> interesting to say about them, but um, yeah. So what is next then? What's the next uh, thing you're, that you're working on? I'm just developing some ideas. There's a couple of um, sort of projects I'm not not allowed to talk about <laughs> for legal reasons. Well, pause the uh, pause the recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, so there'll be more uh, Fenchurch, Colin, and Hunter books. Possibly another Dodds book, but um, a lot of that's not immediate because uh, it's more police procedural stuff so like I spent, since the start of the year I've been working on sort of developing ideas and just trying to find something that's got that sort of 
juicy, high concepty sort of thing that um, that I think you'd know, be interesting. You're interesting to write or have written, and mm-hmm. people just go ah. But it's very illusory. It's uh, you think you've got something, and then it just slips through the yeah. cracks. Yeah. Um, so I'm just taking a wee bit of time out just now, actually, playing computer games and waiting on contracts and so on to get completed and certain things. So it's quite it's quite good, but also one of the worst points of being a writer is the um, is the waiting yeah. for me anyway. And I think a lot of people it's like that because you see a number of people who the number of big big name authors who switch publisher is pretty small and you can see why because you just want that you know you yep. know what you got you get yeah. and you just yeah another contract for this do that yeah but same people or someone's retired and you but you know the person in the place and all that sort of like it's comfort but i try to push myself a lot and do something different so there'd be so there'll hopefully be some few things i'll be able to announce soonish but uh, it's all dependent on whether they actually go through and yeah. stuff but it's um it's all exciting stuff, and it's it's you know I always want to do sort of different different things and learn and have have fun doing it. And it's actually sometimes some things it can be good just going through something and going oh yeah I'm actually quite good at doing this. <laughs> all the times I'm bashing my head against the wall of high concept yeah. thriller sort of thing, and actually go right I'll just sit down and write plot a please procedure and write it really quickly. So all right yeah it's very good to get. <laughs> To remember, remind yourself what you are good at. A lot of people are, well, certainly me, or you, you t- tend to take for granted what you're good at and what your mm-hmm. strengths mm-hmm. are, um, and forget and focus on development or weaknesses and stuff. But actually, b- reminding yourself that you're actually good at certain things is a, is a good thing <laughs> it's to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. try and end every podcast with like quick fire questions sure. so like a one or other type thing but you can expand on it if you want yeah um tv or cinema tv um i think cinema died in the 90s <laughs> <laughs> and it's been it's like a twitching corpse and, but tv's probably going the same way it's becoming too bloated and too, too high budget so video games video games <laughs> okay good answer uh real book or ebook ebook Ebook? Yeah, yeah. Why is it? Uh, I had loads and loads of paperbacks and stuff, and it just filled up the house. And my yeah. girlfriend made me get rid of them. <laughs> and it's—I just prefer reading a Kindle. It's like I always yeah. know where it is, and I just pick it up, and it's like—and you've got a whole library. Yeah, yeah. it's a convenience factor. Is yeah. Yeah, yeah, a whole library of stuff I bought from Kindle Daily Deals or Bookbub. I've got so many books <laughs> in that library. I've <laughs> never had time to get around to reading. <laughs> Uh, um, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Trek, any day of the week. Okay. <laughs> Excellent answer. Uh, Marvel or DC? So, I'd say my favourite superhero is probably Batman, but the vast majority it's it's Marvel. Um, even though I think they're milking the cinema stuff a bit too much. <laughs> just now. But they, they, it's, a, it's an interesting distinction because the Marvel stuff I think is much more grounded. Realistic, real people, mm-hmm. relatable characters. Whereas the DC stuff, they're these big icons, and yeah. they're, they're also, I think, personally, feel they're very dated. Um, even when, even like stuff like the Flash or Green Lantern, when they re- re- sort of did them in this, this mm-hmm. little comic Silver Age, they were still very white American stuff yeah. and mm-hmm. just very generic. And you can see like the struggles they've got with their cinematic universe stuff that yeah. there's so little. 
there's there's not fresh and even the Wonder Woman people I think liked it because it was it was a female led superhero. Mm-hmm. I think the film was actually not very well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, a fancy restaurant or takeaway? I actually prefer like a nice little cafe to be honest. So uh, yeah, just sort of something. Yeah, but bit more humble and stuff. Yeah. Or a pub, yeah. nice hipster pub. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Last one, Uncharted or Last of Us? Oh, Last of Us. Yeah, um, it's just much. It's like a step up. I mean, Uncharted stuff's funny and zany and stuff. But played all of them, and none of them are in any way as good as the yeah. uh, Last of Us. That was really good. It was really nice chatting to him about video games and I think trying to break into that market of writing a narrative story for a video game is an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, like we were saying, it is it is a field that's definitely growing in terms mm. of storytelling and, you know, a few writers we've spoken to now have thought games is a, yeah. is a line where they can go into, which isn't something that probably was the case even 10 years ago. No, I think that's right. I think the last 5, 10 years have really seen an explosion of these games which are really based more about a story than the gameplay you know mm-hmm. games like The Walking Dead Life is Strange The Last of Us it's more about the characters it's like playing a film or, or, or is, like an interactive novel is, I mean the, these things are billion dollar franchises yeah. now so they are they are almost like the new movies yeah absolutely and it would be an interesting thing to write for as well because it have to be so much more structured if you're giving people a choice and all that sort it's of thing it's a lot more like those Fighting fantasy books. Yeah, choose your own day. adventure. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, totally. yeah. Um, well, it was really great speaking to Ed. Enjoyed that. And uh, next week, we've got another good episode for you. Uh, we're speaking to Mike Carey, or M.R. Carey, as he's known when he writes his novels. But Mike is a really well-known and respected uh, comic book writer. He's written for basically everything you could think of. X-Men, mm. Fantastic Four, Lucifer, which has also been turned into a TV show, of course, and then a lot of his own work, like The Unwritten, which is a fantastic series. And we talked to Mike about all of that and his novel, The Girl with All the Gifts, and the screenplay of the same the, the same name. Um, so please do tune in for that one, because it was a good one. Yeah, really nice chat. Now, uh, now as always, um, of course, you can get in touch. If you'd like to send us a tweet, you can do so at write underscore gear. If you'd like to send us an email, please send it to podcast at rightgear.co.uk. Yeah, and uh, as usual, thanks to Simon Stokes for all his production assistance. Um, if you are enjoying the podcast, please do remember to give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast uh, app you use, because it really helps us move up the charts. And if we move up the charts, we can go on for longer and we can keep speaking to people so you can keep uh, listening. <laughs> Who wouldn't want that one? Exactly. Well, <laughs> I certainly would. Uh, but right now, we'll leave you with one final listen for page one. The Writer's Notebook is on Kickstarter. Please do go out, tell your friends. It's doing really well, but we need it to continue. Yeah, it's only available until the 2nd of May on Kickstarter. So please go and check it out. And if you like what you see, order yours now. And we'll see you next week. See you next week. The Blank Page. To some, it's terrifying, an obstacle to overcome. But we prefer to think of it as an opportunity, a blank canvas to be filled with all of the adventures and characters in our head. So how to overcome that fear? Well, we all know the best advice for a writer is, write.
Seriously, get words on the page and more will follow. But what about later, when you start trying to pull those threads of what you've written together? What about the character you wrote about way back at the start? Who was she again? What was she carrying? And where did she leave the MacGuffin that she now really needs in the third act? Think about all those top thrillers you like to read. Or that amazing drama you just watched. What did they all have in common? Structure and planning. As aspiring writers ourselves, we've tried many different methods to try and organise all the thoughts about the stories we want to tell. We've been there searching for a piece of scrap paper to note something down, or making a quick note on our phone in between meetings. Or sometimes we'll make a note in whatever notebook we're carrying, or a document on our laptop so we don't forget that great idea. Let's be honest, it can all be a bit messy, and it's easy to lose track of everything. And that's when we realise it's not just a story that needs structure and planning, but the way we gather all of our thoughts about it as well. And so we made page one. Page one is more than just another notebook. It's a place to put down all your ideas for your latest project, divided into easy-to-use sections that will help you plan your story, so that when that blank page comes calling, you're ready to answer. And then afterwards, once it's written, we realised you need to plan how to let people read it, so we included a section relating to submissions. We've created three editions of page one, standard, premium, and exclusive Kickstarter edition. Each one is designed for one project. Whether you want to write a book, screenplay, a comic, or any other kind of story, we truly believe that when you use it, it will help you get to the main event, writing your story. So we hope this helps. We can't wait to read what you come up with. And remember, every story starts with page one.